Welcome back to another edition of Whole Leafs Podcast. Today we're going to be talking with Lance Kimball with Simple Cure, and he's going to talk about their company, their history, their ethos, and uh, how they approach their uh, processing of cannabis here in Oklahoma. So Lance, tell us a little bit about Simple Cure and how you guys got started, and uh, just a quick history of who you guys are. Sure, man. Well, first off, thanks for having me. You guys are a valuable partner, and so when you asked if this would be something we would like to do, I was stoked to be able to do it. Uh, who we are and, and why we do it is, is a pretty big question. Um, <clears throat> for us, we've been manufacturing in, in a lab since uh, 2015, uh, doing uh, flavored e-liquids uh, that uh, are intended to get folks off of combustible tobacco. And those would be uh, vapes, correct? Like correct. Well, people? that's what most people would consider okay. a traditional vape. So getting people off of combustibles is something that we've been passionate about for a long time. That industry has been under siege uh, by the federal government for uh, a variety of reasons, and we could go down into that to that rabbit hole, but it's a, it's a deep one. Um, so with that, <clears throat> kind of knowing that that industry is set to, to, to you know, to be sunsetted, when the teachers went on strike here in Oklahoma, we were confident that that was going to lead to a yes vote on 788. And so at that point, we began to tour through different extraction labs, uh, grow ops, uh, obviously dispensaries, but, but through a different lens than ever before. And we went through Colorado, uh, Northern California, Oregon, and Washington. And, and through that, that, that tour, we found some uh, some docs out of UCLA that were doing extraction and in a little bit different way than anywhere else that we saw. And um, understanding that Canada was coming online the same time that 788 was was going through, the acquisition of, of hardware was very difficult. So it was setting up so that we were likely going to be the first folks to do legal extractions in the state of Oklahoma. And so I took a lot of responsibility in that. and. Um, so we, we secured the mentorship uh, of, of the docs and we implemented a process that we feel is very unique and one that is centered on, on the patients and began the, you know, our product set with, with our vapables because that is something that's been the, the centerpiece of, of our mission is getting folks off of combustibles. There's so many conditions that are made worse by setting something on fire and sucking on it. And it turns out that's not a great idea. Sure. And so, doing the the full spectrum strain specific 100% cannabis vapables made a lot of sense to us so that if patients were able to identify particular phenos that were great for their conditions then they could take a highly concentrated version of that uh, through one of our vapables no waste and that would be a uh, very efficient means of dosing for them right on Uh, on your equipment some of our listeners may not know a lot about CO2 extraction. Could you give us just a two-minute, this is what CO2 extraction is, and this is why it differs from hydrocarbons, alcohol, BHO? Sure. Um, you know, in, in, the, in that kind of that, that 25-day multi-state tour, we saw a variety of, of different extraction methods. And there's solid logic flow um, behind all of them. Um, in the facility that we were in and that we were expanding or we were intending expanding into and where we were able to expand into, hydrocarbons weren't really a, uh, a viable option uh, for us. Uh, the, the, the beverage grade CO2 is what we're using and it, uh, the way that our building is zoned uh, would allow uh, for that. 
uh, kind of our process, our end product. We're small batch, so I'm not uh, indiscriminately running a bunch of outdoor uh, grow. We are running two and a half pounds at a time of 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 a, of a particular pheno, and so um, it is. Uh, it's a pretty slow, small batch kind of handcrafted process that that we apply, and so our facility and our end product and all of that just kind of made sense with with CO2, but there's some great products out there with a variety of different um, uh, methods, you know, for, for the extraction process. And uh, uh, there's, you know, solid logic flow behind behind all of them. This just felt like the, the, the best fit for us and what we were trying to achieve. Okay. And then you guys obviously had your cartridge line first, your vapables, and then you've moved into edibles and I believe tinctures. When you made that transition, did you face anything that you, you didn't expect? Was there some challenges with creating those edibles, or did you just find that it was a pretty smooth transition because you had planned everything out so well? Well, uh, we were able to, to work with uh, some really talented chefs on, on the, on the um, edible side. Uh, fortunately for us, because of our, our other uh, manufacturing lab, we had some flavoring experience. And so that was able to be uh, utilized. We already had great vendor relationships with a lot of the different flavoring companies and things of that nature. So that was uh, very helpful in us being able to get out a good product in a pretty timely manner. But, you know, really, um, we've now kind of, you know, two years or so into this, uh, we're, we're able to, to take a lot of time in R&D. And so like with our tinctures, for example, our most release, recent uh Released the CBG uh, CBD tinctures. We were 180 days in R&D on that before uh, taking that to market, and so now um, it's really neat because we're we've got uh, the opportunity to to work closely with patients here in Oklahoma and kind of dial in to some some formulations that are really impactful for them, and then make them widely available to. To, to other folks and that's just a really cool process and a lot of you know just honored to be a part of that kind of work what uh, what challenges has the Oklahoma market brought that maybe other markets haven't yeah and if you uh, don't have an answer that's fine too yeah it's difficult for me to say what some of the other experiences are in other markets but for for us uh, in in our space one of the difficult spots has been since the um, the unity bill or then the emergency version of the unity bill and much of the contradictive language uh, that's in that and then the variety of interpretations um, uh, across the state on that and then the just sometimes that puts a little uh, pressure on relationships just because there may be a different understanding than than what uh, yours is or what somebody else's might be and so that's a little bit of a challenge and then <clears throat> when you look at instances here recently uh, with stuff in the news with fast labs and so in our, you know in our space we're spending a tremendous amount of time and resources on on analytics and so it's difficult a lot of times to get data sets that you don't know if what the accuracy is and then if you get a concerning data set and you send that off and you get wildly con contradictive information and then finding a third viable solution to send that off. It's awfully expensive and then try to mitigate any of those expenses that you pass on to the patients, right? Because um, along with those challenges is you are competing against folks that have no 
efforts into doing anything right that are still doing things very black market tactics and so when you're trying to be by the book and you're competing against folks that that don't uh, have any intentions of, of operating by the book uh, your costs go up and then <clears throat> so your expectations for the work that you're paying for are, are high and uh, you know that's not always met so for me one of the areas I would like to see us uh, kind of moving in with all the tax taxes that are being collected is to is to provide some support for those analytical labs and, and subsidize those folks so that they can bring in some really high qualified people that are difficult to um, you know be bought off or persuaded and um, I think that that would give the, the the patients some assurance it would give the vendors the retailers some assurances that there was a certain uh, set of ethics being uh, adhered to yeah, and for the listeners who, who don't know, uh, recently there was an article in the Tulsa World about Fast Labs, and there's some allegations of a pay-to-play, essentially, where uh, some growers and processors were paying to get clean test results. And so uh, the OMMA is investigating that. Like I said, there's a Tulsa World uh, article that you can find that has some details. We, of course, don't know all the details on it, but it definitely does raise some red flags here in Oklahoma on testing protocols. and. As you and I both know, there's not a central database for testing, and so each lab is reporting its own tests, and and we all hope that they're all following their standard operating procedures, SOPs, Uh, but as you probably know, you can send sometimes product to three different labs and get three different test results. So yeah, that's that's been a, a big problem, not on the processing side, not only, but also on dispensary side, where uh, it, it's sometimes it can be misleading when you see different test results that show different items. So it, it's something we struggled with as well. One of the other areas that that we uh, find challenges is just in the truthfulness or the clarity in um, in packaging um, and or labeling of that of that packaging. Um, you know, in in the vapable space, which is you know kind of the centerpiece of our all of our of our product offerings. One of the things that that we find is um, distillates in in the market, um, and and they may send the distillate off to be uh, to be tested and they come back with results, and then use that that to formulate with, and um, they'll add flavoring and flavor bonding agents and thinning agents, and uh, then by volume, now you're talking about maybe 60 to 70 percent of the volume is a derivative of cannabis. And then on the on the labeling, it'll suggest that it's still the 92 potency that was at uh, sent to the lab, and not taking into account the other constituents that that go along with that cannabis in their formulation. And then one of the the more dangerous things that I find in that is oftentimes rather than coming up with a creative name <clears throat> uh, for that product, they'll just go to a pheno name. And since it's a distillate, it's not a pheno, it's just THC, and it may be flavored to mimic that pheno or inspired by that pheno, but it's, it certainly not, doesn't have all the minor cannabinoids or the full terpene profile of that, of that plant. And so you'll have patients that will know that they shouldn't be on a combustible and maybe have done some research and found that there are particular phenos that are suggested for their condition, and they'll find a cartridge that's a distillate and it's as a placeholder name or just to drive sales, uh, they'll give it a pheno name like Durban Poison or Critical Mass or Gorilla Glue. And 
So then uh, the, the, the patient takes that home with the expectation that that's that pheno, and it's, it's not. And so then their takeaway is that critical mass is not good for my fibromyalgia. Well, you don't know that because you didn't do critical mass. And, and so that's um, you know, an issue that we see in the marketplace is just vendors being truthful you know, and, and, and uh, retailers uh, being educated and not always looking at margin, but m- more at what is best for the patient. We believe that in the end, that's uh, how you establish yourself as a uh, company that that sticks around for for you know beyond your days and uh, it makes itself a pillar in a community and that's what we're in, we're trying to set up man yeah I've, I've always gone by the ethos that you don't chase the money you you provide excellent customer service and the money will find you and uh, and I think you're you hit it square on the head there are people out there who are chasing the money that they're always going to go after the, the, the best margin, which may not always be the best product, and it may not be the best efficacy. So I'm glad to hear that. Uh, what other takeaways from the last two years would you like to share with us? Any challenges or some really neat, inspiring stories where some you've been able to help some patients that we've got see so many wonderful uh, testimonies that have kept us going on on hard days, and we've got collections of those on our on our webpage and um, you know on our social accounts and things like that you can find many of those there but um, for me one of the things that I <clears throat> I hope for uh, for us in the future and this comes from experience uh, in in our other lab where, where we have fallen victim to, to regu- regulation and what I hope is that we can come together as an industry that's not um, that's able to we can set egos aside, set competitiveness uh, aside in moments so that we'll organize in, in a way that's uh, vertically organized. And, I've, and uh, representation from all of the verticals with, within our uh, industry, processing, retailing, uh, patients, patient caregivers, um, growers, uh, packaging folks, just all of the support industries as well, and, and have representation at the Capitol and be supportive for patient issues and provide resources to, to businesses and, and set up in that manner. 788 has, is, is well done, and I feel like uh, we can establish Oklahoma, really solidify Oklahoma if we can organize in a meaningful way. And um, you know that, that's gonna take a little bit of a contribution from, from, from many. Uh, otherwise, <clears throat> what tends to occur is it's large contributions by a few and many benefit from it, but it's never really as impactful as it can be and many damaging things can occur uh, to an industry. And the, the challenge is, is there because our, our adversaries or our opponents, they don't struggle with many of the same, they're not fragmented. And so there is not a lot of ego to, to meander through. There's not a lot of competitiveness to overcome. They're, they're on task, they're on message, they're well-funded and organized. And so if we can't match that to a notable degree, then um, you know, the, I fear uh, where, where we, could, we could go in, in short order. So I don't, it's not a panic type of deal, but it is you know, kind of rattle the cage. And, and I hope that you know, people can, can focus on that. And it's difficult as a business owner, right? Because 
You've got a gazillion fires that you're putting out on a daily basis. And so that's why it's critical that we do have representation at the Capitol that is there for our best interest, that can notify us when there are instances where we do need to or organize and kind of grassroots respond to situations. But I would like to see some of the leaders that have emerged kind of uh, organize together and put their egos aside to develop uh, something that uh, can serve the greater good. Awesome. Put the patients as the primary focus, you know, all of the efforts with, through the lens of what is best for patients in Oklahoma. Outstanding. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, come talk to us. And uh, anything else you want to leave with us? Man, I appreciate you. I know you do a wonderful job of not only carrying Simple Care in here so you make wonderful product choices, but you have a wonderful staff. Everybody here always is... You know, so nice when we come in and I can tell how much time they spend with patients. I'm, I'm observant to that from place to place when I go. And so keep doing what you're doing and we're a proud partner. Awesome. Well, that wraps up another episode of our Whole Leaf Podcast. Thank you to Simple Cure for coming out and uh, we look forward to bringing more content to you shortly. Thank you guys. Hey, thanks, man.